podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Paddy as we cover all things Celtic. Celtic are now so efficient under Ange Postacoglu that they're now putting games to bed after just 27 minutes as witnessed in the demolition of Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. A result that means we're now just two wins from retaining the Scottish Premiership title. Before we get properly started for today, I recorded the pre-match with James here on Friday ahead of the game and here's what he had to say when I asked him for his pre-match predictions. Uh, I think it's going to be 4-1, no clean sheet. Um, Kelly have had some success, obviously their home form strong, success at home I mean. Um, Kyogo, Kyogo will get his brace cush, you're right. He'll take us on to 100 and he'll take himself on to 30. Key man for myself, Matt O'Reilly. I thought, he, you know, he, it's become a bit fashionable to not like O'Reilly's form, but if you actually look at how he played and how he contributed on Saturday there, he was involved in the goals. He was, you know, very active in the press and he's not got as much of his flair stuff this season as he, as he had last season. So, chance for him to shine on, on Sunday here. James, scarily accurate. Uh, so, the big question is, why have you waited so long, almost at the end of the season, to call one correctly? I mean, predicting anything Ange does and that the Celtic team does is, is pretty difficult. So, to get one right, I'll be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I mean... Um, in 27 minutes, I thought, well, I've got that completely wrong. It's going to be a, a 10 that we've been waiting on, you know. Um, and then I thought I thought O'Reilly was, was great throughout. And I think he's been good whilst not showing his heights in the last few weeks. So delighted for him. Yeah. I don't know if you caught his interview post-match. He just seems in a pretty decent place, actually. He's, he's slowly but surely getting back to that form. And there's just no doubt, Paddy, assists and goals are, are what really bring you back on isn't it? Yeah absolutely and it's the game time as well Tino I think uh, he'll see this window of opportunity um, obviously I think the poor performance um, in the first half from Moy last week um, the absence of Hitati just now is, is probably giving him a bit of time to think hang on a minute I'm, I'm still I'm still capable to mix it up here and still capable to, to push on as a footballer um, I actually thought last Saturday he was one of our best players and I criticised him quite a bit for the tackle that's led to the, the free kick for Rangers last week. But actually, when you look at it, it's, it's pretty poor from Carter Vickers. It yeah, leads him to, having, to them, and Johnson. Aye, yeah. to, aye, and Johnson, I agree with you there. That leads him in having to really kind of stretch for the tackle. Um, overall, I thought he was he was very solid last week. He, he gives you this thing, he's like... Um, his legs seem to extend when it comes to like just nicking the ball off people. I, like, it, it must be very frustrating to play against because a lot of players think that they've got past him and he just nicks it at the last minute. And it's his determination. I just think that's uh, is really starting to shine through. And, and no better time in the season, to be honest. Um, a good a good run in for him gives Ange more headaches as well, especially when it comes to the summer. Especially when it comes to looking at players leaving and players coming in over the summer as well. Yeah, he seems to quite enjoy the responsibility James obviously he played a huge role in covering Callum McGregor's un injury uh, by stepping back into the number 6 role and he, he thrived in that position and I think as you've mentioned Paddy with Hattati being out there is an onus in the guys that know what it's all about at this moment in time to step up and hopefully we're going to see the best of him over the next 8 games 6 games semi-final final um, James your Celtic moment of the week as well please uh, probably I'd stick with Riley for it um, he saw after his goal against St Mirren uh, I think it was the cup game, the 5-1. It was sheer relief. This is more, you know, joy that he's getting back to to where he was. Um, I, I think he's he's got 
you know, all the talent in the world. Joe Hart, you guys picked up in the post-match. Joe Hart was talking about the the attitude and the atmosphere at, at Lennoxton. Everyone's here to learn, and it's not like some of these guys are your learners. Everyone. And I think O'Reilly's top of the tree there. I think he really wants to improve his game. And I think that, that's that's why I'd pick him as moment because he's, he's not let it affect him. He's just kept coming back. He kept coming back, determined to, to prove he can do it. Yeah, credit to him. Paddy, as I was saying, why wait 90 minutes to win a game of football when you can do so in just 27? What did you make in general of the win at Rugby Park and what's your own Celtic moment of the week? Yeah, I, I think when we, obviously, we ran into that lead and even with a missed penalty, I, I, I thought we could have maybe have seen a Dundee United scoreline again, um, possibly even one more. I think a lot of the fans were thinking we could be getting uh, our, our, our 10 goals finally under this, uh, under this manager. I think we're going to see it. I really do. Um, for me, it was uh, it was keep them coming because obviously I've given the the prediction of 120 goals scored this season in the league. So it's, it's obviously a great help on that one too. Um, they were relentless. Just, um, just basically from the get-go and as much as people uh, at Sky will like to say that it was a poor commander performance, there's only one thing that can make people play that way and it's utter fear of who they're up against. And that, that Celtic performance yesterday just epitomised no matter who's coming in and out the side now, it's still a strong 11. It doesn't matter how strong it is, it's going to be enough to make people wary and keep people on their toes but also press them into mistakes and that's what we done yesterday. Yeah, myself and Miff uh, done the post-match and we were talking about the fact that Sky seemed to constantly look for the, the negative in a, in a Celtic appearance and what I mean by that is rather than saying look how sharp Kyogo is, look how lively Matt O'Reilly's looking, they're highlighting on just how poor are this Kamarnock side at this moment in time and it's like, I get that, that's part of it but let's try and sell the game and look at the positive side of it and just be a bit more upbeat. That said, I do think your man Fraser Murray had a couple of quid on 10 yesterday. <laughs> he had an absolute shocker, which can happen. You know, we, we spoke about it, the fact that it happened to Moy last week, but yeah. it was not his day, was it? No, no. And football, isn't it? You just, um, I think he's, what, 19? No, no, no he's 23. 23. Still, still young. Still, still young in the game. And I think, you know, Everyone's going to have those kind of performances, um, but it's one he'll, he'll just want to forget. Um, you need a good manager to try and guide you through something like that. And albeit he was probably happy to see the back of the game, I still think sometimes getting hooked so early in the game is is not good for anyone. Not good for anyone. I think first and foremost, McInnes was thinking I need to protect my job here. True, but also I think taking the boy to the firing was part of it as well because there, there could be more, and you could actually send them further down. It's a gamble kind of thing, but yeah. I, I think it was. It was the right thing on balance to, to remove all it, it, It's harsh and it's extremely ruthless, but sometimes it's necessary. You don't see it a lot in football for good reason, but I think he had to change something. Um, aside from that, just before we move on with the show in general, I would want to come to you, Paddy. You attend more away games than, than we do. And obviously there was the glaring omission of fans in general from, from what was a more than half-empty rugby park, to be honest with you. What's your general take on that? I understand... Kelly and St Mirren and various other clubs going to their fans and saying what do you want us to do and you can do that if you want that's your choice but don't then moan about standards in the game and Celtic and Rangers have got far bigger budgets when you're leaving I don't know 200 grand on the table yesterday or Sunday um, and 200 grand every other time a Celtic or a Rangers come calling what's your general take on that? It's a, it's a good question um, I think it seems to have got reined in even more and the ticket prices are creeping up as well, to be honest, even more. I think, you know, it's very rare you see a ticket under £30 now for an away game. Um, you take that into consideration with your bus, your minimum, 
15 sometimes on a bus now as well. And then, you know, obviously people are out for the day. A lot of money goes into it. And, I, you know, I take my hat off to the, those that do it religiously week in, week out. It's a lot of money. And I tell you what, it, it's a, an argument you hear a lot from away supporters about, you know, Celtic and Rangers are, are in their own their own league. They're, on, they're like miles away from us. Yeah, you should be capitalising on every opportunity to make money. As a supporter, as a proper football supporter, I, I can understand the frustration though when a team is taking three stands and you've only got one in your home stadium. I understand that side of it. I do get it. Um, it's a it's a difficult one. It's a really difficult one. It is, but just suck it up for a couple of games against Celtic because it's just worth so much money. Football is a business. You can dress up whatever way you want and there's obviously the emotive side of, of football and sport in general, but as a business and that is a lot of money to leave on the table and there's shareholders as well who, I don't know how they feel about that. That's not when they're going to win their league, league position, uh, beating Celtic or Rangers at home. You know, their, their points are gained by the teams around them. So even from a sporting perspective, they're losing, they're not gaining enough for what they're losing. If they take, you know, it sounds a bit kind of capitalist run like, but if you take the money, you can put it back into the squad. But they also don't do the basics as well in terms of the things that Bodo do and all these things. So there's there's a wider debate at play for that. But even if you look at it, it's a small town called Marnock. Could the pubs be doing with that money? Absolutely. So all these these things that there's plenty of money sitting on the table and they're, they're not taking it and then they want to have a moan about it. Take your pick. Yeah, Paddy, I can absolutely under, understand your concerns as an away supporter for you know ticket price, 30 odd quid, travel, petrol, whatever that comes to. What I can't sympathise with is a dozen pints that you know lads are buying. That is, that's not Kilmarnock's fault. It's very difficult though, mate. It's tricky though. <laughs> <laughs> it's budget. a tough situation. Cut back. Sure uh, is. Cut back, it's only three pints yeah. now. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. We'll get started with the big topic and we'll be looking at how some of our recent signings are settling in and of how the Celtic squad is shaping up in general for the challenges that next season will bring, particularly in Europe. We'll then move on to this week's Mystery Celt where the lads will be tasked once again with naming the mystery former player. And after that, it's this week's listener's question where we'll look at Celtic's transfer policy when it comes to some of the high-profile exits in recent years. And finally, we'll close out this week's show by bringing you something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic media. OK, so let's get the ball rolling with this week's big topic. The inclusion of Yuki Kobayashi... Tomoki Iwata and Seat Aksabanovic against Kilmarnock was the first time we've seen all three players start together in a Celtic shirt. All three only arrived at Celtic this season, so Aksabanovic in the summer and Kobayashi and Iwata in January. But this week's question is, do you think Ange intends to give these players a more prominent role in the side moving forward, particularly with regard to Europe next season? And separately, where do we think the gaps still are, if any, if Celtic are to have a serious go at competing in the group stages of next season's Champions League? Paddy, your initial response to that one? Yeah, I think the three mentioned um, are, are definitely not going the door. Definitely not going the door. And the reason I say that is we, we look at the results um, of our, our group stage and albeit I think we, we forget that we, we lost our, our centre-half pair in a very settled centre-half pairing in Carter Vickers and, and Starfelt for the majority of the, of the, the group stage games. They, we were, we were, they didn't start one game together. Yeah, yeah. Um, they were, so we were dealing with, obviously, uh, Maurice Jens and, and Stephen Welsh, who I think were kind of making up for each other's mistakes, to be honest, a lot of the time. Um, maybe not so much Jens, I actually think it was maybe just a bit too much for, for Stephen Welsh. Um, but f for me, this is, this is a, a big push for us. And... I think if we were to have 
continued in Europe um, after Christmas, we would have seen it continue. I think what Ange really, really wants, I, I've said this before in the show, I don't think he, he's huge on just that set standard uh, starting 11. I think he's massive about rotation. And I think he knows how long the season is, how he can get so much out of his players and get them all on their toes so that they, they, they're knocking the door, not just to start the league games, but they, they, they definitely get that chance in the Champions League as well. Um, this is a big, big year coming up for us to, to try and make a mark in it. We, it we're, we're pretty much there. It's looking very likely that we're going to be playing group stage football again. And I think those players now must be thinking, right, this is it. This is the, the chance to shine. And the likes of Haksabanovic, Kobayashi and uh, Awata, this is, this is where they show why they've been brought to Celtic. Because unfortunately for them, things have been fairly settled after Christmas because we can keep the same 11, we can keep the players fresh. We've not had two games a week. That's a big factor. Yeah. James, unlike um, when Maeda, Hatati and O'Reilly came in, these other three lads, so Kobayashi, Iwata and Haksabanovic, and just taking a lot more time to bed them in gradually. Obviously, Haksabanovic is in the summer, so he's had more game time than the other two. But generally speaking, he's been pretty patient with all three, hasn't he? Yeah, I was thinking about them myself. You know, they're talking about these players now starting to make their mark. But it was, you know, three months prior last year when Maeda and co, you know, started really hitting their heights. And we've had that luxury. I think a lot comes down to what Paddy's saying about the, the one game a week. But, I mean, you saw on, on Sunday there, You've what Angie's looking for is what seems to be to us a luxury of Abada, uh, Carter Vickers, Jota and Hatati all out the pitch, all, all out the squad and you're four goals up within 27 minutes. Ange wants them on the bench, obviously, not, not out the squad. Yeah. But then being able to bring them on or rest them as, as the case may be, and, and we're getting there. I thought the, um, the I'm going to say three, but two of the lads. I thought Iwata and Kobayashi were excellent. I love Haksabanovic. I think it was his day, um, even though he's involved in at least one of the goals. Maybe just the pitch didn't suit whatever. But a big thing for me is Kobayashi's comfort on the left. You, you see it. And, you know, to be fair to Starfield, he's got the comfort on the right. You know, he's been judged as a left-sided centre-half, but he's, he's right-footed. Mm -hmm. And then Iwata, wow, he's just going to be something else, man. I think so as well. What we'll do, we'll take a brief look at each of the three, just on a wee bit more detail, and then we'll move on to the kind of more general question about the, the squad for, for next season. Kobayashi, so 22 years of age, plenty of time to develop. He's only had four appearances for Celtic in total, three starts and one substitute appearances. Uh, appearance. We've only conceded one goal when he's been in the park, uh, and it was that one against Kelly on Sunday. And he was absolutely furious. Did you see him yeah. banging the surface and all that stuff? And that's going to hurt on the, the plastic surface. Yeah, um, <laughs> learn that quickly enough. But your general thoughts, Paddy, on, on Kobayashi from the relatively um, small bits of time we've seen of him? Yeah, I think I agree with what James is saying. Just that natural left sided centre half, which we've been crying out for. I'm not sure if you're going to go on and say the same thing, but Ange was very, very. Um, very nice basically praising him um, and saying there's a lot more to come from him and and he's very happy that we've now kind of answered that issue of having a left hand a left sided centre and a half massive credit to Carol Starfelt for, for being in that position and, and putting himself out of his natural comfort zone and, and playing the, the way he has played uh, since he's come in the door and I think that when we look at kind of what I mentioned in this rotational side Injuries are going to happen. We're going to play a lot more games. It's just natural. You want these guys on their toes all the time. And Kobe Ashi is someone that's been sitting since January 
and biding his time and it just it looks as if he's been playing for his like week in week out for a few seasons now he looks so comfortable just slotting in yesterday his distribution is very tidy James isn't it it's just nice and clean and crisp and as Paddy absolutely says Listen, Carter Vickers is going nowhere. You know, as long as he's at Celtic, he plays. You know, in the big games and otherwise. So he he is the starter at the back, uh, and it's a it's a battle for that position. And I suppose just having that that natural left sidedness, it does. You know, maybe Andrew sit tight with Starfield for this season, but moving forward, the starter next season is going to be real interesting as to who he gives an odd there, isn't it? I don't think so. I think it's quite straightforward. Um, if you think about how Ange plays football. One of the big things we're, we're getting from Kobayashi is Taylor's away quicker, so your counter attacks are quicker, so you're you're up the pitch in, in seconds. And Starfield's not slow, but he's got to get on his better foot or take a risky pass. That that's gone out of the equation. So I think it's a Kobayashi Carter Vickers is going to be my my back centre halves, and it'll be Starfield and Welsh pushing to get their place. But with the, the games with the rotation, I mean. I was more than happy to see Startfield there in, on his right-hand side position there. So you might see 60-40 in favour in favor of Carter Vickers next season and Startfield picking up the rest. What's also interesting, around about six or seven weeks, we've done an episode all about Starfield and, you know, would this be the time for uh, Kobayashi to, to take his position? And so far that's not happened. A lot of fans, Celtic fans and listeners might be tuning in thinking, ah, Starfield's done nothing wrong and, you know, why these guys try to get him out? That's not the case, but I think in general when we're having these conversations, you've got to look at, Starfield has been phenomenal for Celtic and so far so good, but you've got to look at what's next. It's, it's, it's not good enough just to dominate domestically and, and do what Celtic are doing, phenomenal as it is, and, and it looks like we're going to shatter all sorts of records, but you better leave Ange's looking at what's next and what's around the corner, particularly with an eye on Europe, and Ange and his coaching staff will have to have tough conversations with players, so I think it's only right and fair that, you know, doing what we do, we have these debates and, and look at what the best possible options would be. I'd still say it's Starfield's jersey to lose, lads. I really would. I think that um, it would take... I know, I know Andrew's definitely got it in him with his team selection. He would be more than happy. Just to, to, it, it's not about the individual, it's about the team. I know that's a big factor in how he he manages, but I think he's very, very loyal to Carl Starfield. And I think that, you know, we've spoke about it there, yeah, it's that next level up. I don't think Starfelt's had much time to really prove himself at that level. Um, I don't, obviously, with the group stages last season, did he, he made one one appearance? I think it was just one. Yeah, nah, I, I, I just think it's it's Starfelt's jersey to lose, and I still think that that will be, in my opinion, your two going in. The only thing I think potentially changes that is Carter Vickers leaving. Oh, I know. I know. I want to be positive this show, and it's a positive time. But we we do need to be serious with stuff like that as well. I, I think that's interesting because we haven't really seen what Starfield can really do in a comfy position. So he was comfy there on, on yeah, Sunday, yeah. of course. So if Carter Vickers was to go, you let Starfield play to his strengths. You know, for for me, if he is to continue, he's, he's continuing on, on the right, and I want him to continue absolutely. As you've said, you know, he's, he's been outstanding. I don't think it's his jersey because if you go to the top five, ten teams in Europe, and that's where we aspire to be, you know, playing against these guys in Europe, it's certainly half they've got a left footed guy and a right footed guy to give them that comfort. And if we want to be in amongst them, we need to be like them. Yeah, Paddy try gets cancelled. We talk a CCV making oh, the movie. Hey, so I'm a realist, but you're right. I mean, I would on my wee maybe monologue there about how you know we're right to debate these things and you're absolutely right there's going to be teams in for CCV in the summer it's whether he sees his future at 
Celtic for another year or two beyond that. But at some point, we'll have to cross that that bridge and look at that reality. Um, Starfield was generally comfortable, but he did get Megda Cracker in the first five minutes. Aye, over on the left hand side. Aye, <laughs> aye, coming in at cover. Uh-huh. Aye, so more evidence. A Meg's a Meg, James. More evidence. Anyway, um, moving on from that one. So Tomoki Iwata, I, I think we covered Iwata almost every show now, whether it's the pre and post match stuff and, and the weekly. So. I think we're in agreement here, we're all huge fans and I think the, the fan base in general are really excited about what he'll bring. He's only had 10 appearances in total and only two of them have been starts now, so Sunday and the Ross County game prior. Eight substitute appearances. Matt O'Reilly, again, I mentioned his post-match interview, he described him on Sunday as a tank. He says he's always working on his upper body and, and strength in the gym. Um, but as we've seen, he's also very sharp, he covers the ground, it's not like he's a cumbersome kind of you know heavy player. So the question is, uh, will he cement his place in our midfield three, James, by the end of the season? And I suppose more generally, do you feel he's Champions League quality? Uh, yes and yes. I, th- I think it's from now till the till the run-in. Um, it's going to be more rotation. It's, Paddy, you're touching on Ange not having this, this set 11. I don't think he's got a set midfield three as well in terms of where you are. You're, you know, say he picks a Tati McGregor and Nawata, that's fine. Hatati's probably the only one that's cemented as an advanced McGregor and Iwata. And I mean throughout the game, we'll switch, we'll rotate that. And it might be double six parts, maybe double eight parts. There's real flexibility because of the talent of the two of them, McGregor and Iwata. And then you've got, you know, more talent on the on the sidelines in O'Reilly and Moy, Turnbull, you know, others kind of thing. So I think it's a really interesting time for us in terms of the midfield. I think the versatility that Awata clearly offers is, is going to be so important, particularly at Champions League level, Paddy, because, so Andrew was saying, post-match, you know, don't be confused, this guy's not just a holding midfielder, he's got more strings to his bow. And I think if him and McGregor shape up in the double six, so two holding midfielders with, say, Hatati more advanced, that's fine and that maybe allows you to get a foothold in the game. But if at different points you need to go and express yourself and switch that, so either Awata just sits on his own or, or McGregor and you, you know, switch the triangle up a wee bit then you can go and express yourself and Ange has spoken before about the players having autonomy to do that having a Watan McGregor gives you that option 100% I think uh, I think back to both games against Shakhtar um, and the gap like the, just that missing gap for that one player maybe just tucking in again um, especially the game at Celtic Park when Mudrik scored an absolute brilliant goal I, I, a lot of people say Juranovic should have kind of got there but I can see what Juranovic was possibly trying to do as well and watching him maybe cutting in or play the ball in that's by the by the fact is is that the run was so easy from his own half and that extra midfielder would have would have kind of brought that brought that pressure on him Um not taking anything away from Madrid, a, a tremendous goal, but that's a big thing for me. It's having that transition. It's having those two players that, if they are going to partner up against harder teams in Shakhtar, like a lot of people say, we should have beat them. They're a, they're a better team than us. They, they, they didn't a million pound player. They, they're, they're a better team than us <laughs> on, pa- on paper. They, they just hadn't played football in a while, yeah. you, and which was very evident. But the thing is, is that we're we're going to come up against we're going to come up against teams that will run away with it against as well better players naturally I'm hoping next year's draw we get we get something that we can actually say we'll take six points because it seems that a lot of other teams in the Champions League seem to get that you see some of the runs that teams have went on or, or even just managed to get themselves into third place and go into the Europa League that's a brilliant season for me on that one but I think that these are the kind of games where 
just like you guys are saying, we didn't have that luxury last year. It was it was McGregor holding back, and even then McGregor would want to still come up and try and put his bit into it as well. I just think with someone like Abata and McGregor both playing together, allowing just a tatty to do all that running in front of them, that's that's very exciting for me. I think that that is your your three for next year. Um, and yeah, it will vary how they all all line up together. And and they might not start you know one or two. They might not start the weekend. Yeah. And if you're playing you know Champions League, you might get O'Reilly and Moy coming in at the weekend. That's yeah. that's a difficult one, though. And, and I put that Moment, to you momentum. guys is like I I think Moy would be comfortable in that kind of position next season. But does that, uh, does Matt O'Reilly sit in his hands for a year? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what happens there. What you do see with Celtic's um, use of the five substitution rule is that Ange seems to, generally speaking, keep players happy. And that's this option, you know, this five sub option allows you to do it, enables you to do it more more than ever. You know, because be, before you'd have to make the hard decision, three guys will get an odd, maybe a couple are enforced through injuries, and all of a sudden you've got very good players, international footballers, sitting on the bench not getting much game time. So I think Angie's got an act for, you know, making sure everyone's kept happy yeah. as well. If, if, you, if you're Matt O'Reilly and you're playing almost week in, week out in the league and you're getting the last 20 minutes, 30 minutes in the Champions League, that's your window to be in the next game. So it's all on yourself. That's a good point. Everyone will get a chance to prove themselves, no doubt. The last wee thing about Iwata, myself and Miff again covered it in the post-match, is his work rate and movement to make himself available for a pass for his for his teammates. And, and it's, you know, some guys might say, I'll just drop a couple of yards back here or move out to the side. He actively sprints to get in position. He, he'll go on a you know, five, seven yard burst to make an angle for his teammate. And I think he just, out with his obvious qualities I think he's just a really good teammate a really good guy to have around O'Reilly was speaking about the personality of him and Kobayashi he says they're great lads they've settled in really well so all very encouraging when it comes to Tomoko Iwata looking at Hagzabanovic um, he's obviously been here a bit longer been here since the summer 23 years of age 34 appearances for the season so far but 11 of them are starts and 23 are subs should have checked but he's probably our most used sub you know but they're about Bad, that must be similar. Uh, he's got five goals and four assists in that time. Um, James, he's a complete maverick. He's the kind of player that every kind of fan wants to watch. But do you think he can have an impact at Champions League level? And also, do you think he's more impactful as a substitute or as a starter? I think following on from you know the conversation there, that you know he might be similar to to Riley in that regard. That you've got Jota, you know, playing ahead of you. We don't know what the right wing is going to look like, obviously. But Maeda is it? You're obviously going to be. You've, Ange always puts my head in so if you've got those two guys starting I don't think most Celtic fans would change that so where does Haxmanovic fit for, from a starting living perspective in the Champions League I don't think he's there in terms of mentality yet I think he's got a wee bit of maturing to do just in terms of knowing when to make the run knowing when to go past the guy a few things I, I want to kind of take yesterday out it was, it was a poor display on a poor pitch so I, I don't really want to make any judgments on Haxmanovic on that but I think he's just developing at Celtic and I think he's going to be phenomenal. I don't think he's quite there yet. I love him though. There's real scope to develop, Paddy. He's, he's 23, which isn't young, you know, but it's young enough to be, you know, making improvements in your game and Angie's the kind of guy that will absolutely, you know, chip in and help him do so. And he'll also get that bit fit and sharper. He still seems that he's maybe just not quite firing all cylinders. So there's lots more to see from him. If he picks up that yard of pace, I think he's missing. Um... I'll happily go on record and say this. I think if he's a good pre-season under his belt, I think he'll be our left winger next year. From Maeda? Aye, I do. So can he be like Jota in terms of improve his defensive work as well then? Because that's, that's essential. It's massive. That's my age. There's probably 50-50 in terms of what Maeda does. 
Andrew's obviously his biggest time with his players is definitely on that training pitch, and I think like like he's going to. What Tino says, he'll chip in with him this year. I think there's definite talent. There's a ruthlessness to him. I think that if that if he gets to a fit level, that will start to shine. And um, I just think he's the type of player that will take on any defender, will find that yard of pace. I do think he's got a great range of passing on him. But I also think that you're mentioning about arrogance about maybe just on the football part. I think he's got an arrogance about himself and it's fine-tuning that. And making him I think so, yeah. I do, I yeah. do. And it's not in a, a sense that he's going about think he's better than everyone. I think it's, it's possibly over, that he just needs, he needs to know that he's better than everyone. Do you know that way? Just show it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and he needs to be pointed in the right di- direction. He's got bags of ability, bags of ability. And I just think that it's uh, it's this summer that's a big, massive push for him. But I think he'll be more influential in Europe, down the left, than Maeda would be. And I could see Maeda being that, that guy that comes on with 25, straight, 30 straight, minutes yeah. with legs to run, pace to burn for, for the last half hour. It's a really interesting take because I've heard um, Hacks Barrett speak a few times, Joe, uh, who's on the show at times, Joe went to interview him post-match one time. And for me, it came. A, I think there's a real fine line between arrogance and just self-belief. And I think energy's more in the self-belief category for me. He's He didn't come across as cocky, arrogant. Maybe you might get from a Todd Cantwell, for example. That's right? not Anyway, um, but I just think he believes in himself. He knows he's a good player and I don't think there's much wrong with that. And no. I also think that to make it the very top, you need to have that, at least that bit of arrogance. So I think there's always ways to channel it, Paddy. You're absolutely right. But I also think that you won't be allowed to get ahead of yourself in the Celtic dressing room. So if it was slipping into... Ask why am I on the bench again or anything like that or I'm too good for this. Ask Jackie Marcus. He'd be off out the door kind of thing. So what? I, th- I think he's kind of skirts the arrogant self-belief thing quite well. I know, I, and I, I genuinely think you can definitely link the two. No problem. I, I, I know what you're saying with that. I think that for me, considering the injury he had at the beginning of the season, I think there's almost just that little bit in him that he thinks that if I, if I wasn't injured, I would be starting every week. And... If I'm fit enough, I will be the best left winger. We, we were saying it like early days of the season. This guy's going to be. This guy's going to be brilliant. Some I've heard some saying he'd be better than Jota. I don't know if he'll, he'll go that far. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I think he's got that. He's got the ability, I but I, I just think he's a bit different. But it's, it's fine tuning that that mental side. Yeah. I think will be the difference. Maybe so. I hope Haksivanovic thinks he's the best left winger yeah. at the club, and I hope he goes on to fulfil that you know potential so we'll see how that all goes so out with the three guys there Haksabanovic Iwata and Kobayashi just want to look in general at areas for improvement moving forward just you know very briefly as we head into next season and obviously with a an eye towards the Champions League it's how you always seem to be looking at things James when we're talking about players and I think you're right to do so um, just briefly on goals do you think Joe Hart's good to go for at least another season and do you think he could at least benefit from having somebody to genuinely challenge him because he doesn't have that right now. He doesn't have anybody breathing down his neck. We've spoken about Segrist just not working out. I think he's missed the last 17 squads now, somebody was saying, and there's been some injury there, but generally speaking, that's been a move that's not quite worked for whatever reason. So Joe Hart is absolutely assured of the number one spot, but you know in football, everybody raises their levels when they've got a challenge and Hart doesn't have that right now. I just don't see who we invest in though. That's the thing. If we go and try and bring someone in to challenge him, Celtic need to be really looking at the future. We've had failed attempts with goalkeepers lately and he's been a massive, massive help. And and to to sign him for a million pounds has been incredible. Yeah. But we can't 
mess up on this this position any longer. Um, not getting Forster at the end of that season was a, a big blow. That was one, that was one sure for me. Was, yeah. Spending that amount of money on a guy that's still on our books is incredible as well. You're not entertaining his return, I'm are you? I'm not saying his name as well. <laughs> um, but the, the, the thing for me is that if you're going to try and bring a goalkeeper in to challenge him, he needs to be of the right age, he needs to be of the right ilk to play in that team and he's not going to sit on the bench. Mm. Sorry, I was just going to say, what encourages me is the fact that Celtic have got so many players in their squad right now, and particularly in their first living, that a year, two years ago, we didn't even know who they were. Do you know what I mean? And we've got, I'd say, reasonable knowledge of the game, but and just just plucking guys out of nowhere. You might be as well just looking for the best goalie in the J-League right now, because he'll probably be ours sometime soon. I don't know the goalies aren't the best in the J-League. It's a wee bit of a filler. Um, But yeah, you know, there's every chance he could go to any corner of the globe and find someone, because you're right, Paddy, the guy moving forward beyond Joe Hart, who has been fantastic for Celtic, but the guy moving forward needs to have a certain skill set, he needs to have that, quick distribution come through the ball at his feet and all the other basics you'd expect of a good goalie yeah I think it's the timing slightly off to sign a guy today and play him in the Champions League in September would, would be hard You know, it's a lot to get up to speed with you know, through close season I think the guy we sign in the summer will come in and, and challenge her I think we will sign a keeper in the summer by the way I think they've been looking at that just even on Sunday's goal, you know, McGregor's fault and all that stuff. I think Boric, his peak kind of saves that kind of goal. I know it's very, very harsh and he's, he's done nothing wrong. Aye. He's not done anything exceptional as well. And for us to get through Champions League against top quality, it's got to be that that exceptional talent. So I think they'll have it on their board for, for, for guys to sign in the summer. I don't think that guy then comes in and starts playing Champions League. I think you bed him into to the system and maybe by turn of the year, you know, he's up to speed and stuff. I love Joe Hart. It's been a phenomenal yeah. signing, but we've always got to be looking at improving in the future. Definitely. And I think it'd be a great uh, goalie to learn under. So if, if we oh, bring in somebody stay. who's 22, 23, 24, who's you know, got the basics of ball at feet and all that kind of stuff and then he works with Joe Hart on the various other as- aspects of goalkeeping it's got to be a plus you're paying big money for that though Tino that's the thing yeah, yeah like for a goal- at 19 or something Aye, yeah. 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 but do you not just to counter that do you not think that every goalie nowadays is learning that so so keep in mind so the pass back rule came in when Packy Bonner was getting yeah, these playing went, days and he that. said I'll not be doing that fellas <laughs> <laughs> really struggled but the game has changed a lot since then and I would say only now has it come to the point where any and all new young goalkeepers coming through, that is their game. I, th- I think it's a big difference between knowing the pass-back rule and being able to play as a backy. But, a- but what I'm saying is every goalkeeper now that's being coached must be getting coached with the ball at their feet. But they you, must be. But then you can see you could say the same for, for Joe Hart and albeit he's maybe kind of picked that style up at a later point in his career. You look at obviously what happened with him at Man City, the trust that was kind of put on him over in, in Italy, the trust that was put in him over in... Uh, when he went back to West Ham and Spurs, it's it's easy easier said than done. It's a it's a mental side. It's a mental side playing under that pressure. And I have to say domestically, yeah, he he does it. He gets away with some things. He really does. But he's been found out in Europe. He has been found out in Europe. And I know that that's what Ange wants us to do. Absolutely, we'll never change that. So what do you do? You have to change a goalkeeper. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I think Hart has got his issues with the ball at his feet. What I'm saying is. Almost every goalkeeper coming through in the game nowadays will have been, you know, ha- had that f- put upon them. That, you're, that is a you're requirement. You're a wide enough pool that it shouldn't be 40, 50 million to get one of those guys. I, I think if you're saying at 10 years of age, I'm a goalkeeper and you get signed up in an academy and you get coached, one of the first things they'll be doing is saying, right, let's get you with the ball at your feet. And that'll be 
much more prevalent moving forward than young goalkeepers. So Joe Hart, he's had to try and adjust mid-season, sorry, mid-career, having had a very successful career, doing everything he knows well, you know, being a, a very good and accomplished goalkeeper. And then he goes and plays under somebody like Pep and he says, yeah, I know you're good at all of that. I need you to also do this. It's almost impossible. Old dog, new tricks and all that stuff. I just think that there will be goalies out there that we don't know of. Listen, time will tell and all that stuff we'll find out soon enough but I think there'll be a few out there that we will be like and they won't be the finished article but they'll be far comfier with Joe Hart at his feet and we can see what we get from there apparently Barkas and, I, and I've not seen this myself apparently Barkas is very good with his feet apparently he's very good with his hands nah, he's not good with his hands 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 he's not good with it might have been off here before he started, James. Alistair Johnson, absolutely. Good to go. I think he's ready for that level of football. Carter Vickers, absolutely. We don't yet know about Kobayashi. Certainly a maybe. Starfelt, maybe the jury's out on, on Champions League, but as you say, Paddy, maybe Andre. the shirt's his. Uh, and then there's some others. You know, Taylor, is he a question yes, for that level? No. Taylor's got that level. For I think me. so, the Champions League. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Tony Ralston? Perfect to come off the bench yes. and then play from the start in the league at the weekend. Uh, I'm talking about starting in Champions League. No. Right? Uh, and the other one is Burnaby. We just don't know yet. Maybe, maybe not. So where do you see? What's your general summary of the, the defensive setup? I think we're, we're pretty strong in the starting positions. You know, you're, you guys obviously uh, debating on Taylor. But say, say if we take three out of the four, we're, we're, well, two out of the four are agreed. Kobayashi looks like he could be. Big athlete, comfy in the left. Um, I think there is a certain element of... What Angie's always been trying to avoid is the gap between my starter and my sub. I think, you know, because we don't know Burnaby, we don't know what's going to happen, if he's going to actually cement his talent and, and show he can be left back. And I think on, on the right, I, I'm comfy with, you know, um, Ralston on the bench at right back. I, th I think but he's... On the bench, yes. Aye. But that, that's the big debate for me, is what is after the first 11, we need, we need to avoid that gap. So two out of four is solid and two potentially. Good maths. Um, I just think we need to look at starters, Champions League-wise, and I suppose we're on the same page with Taylor, Paddy. Do you think we need to look at left-back again? We've not quite... The Burnaby sign has not gone as well as we hoped. No, it hasn't. Um, I take nothing away from, from Greg Taylor um, and what he's what he's done, what he's, the game he's come on to. And um, I just I just think some of the games in Europe, though, and I think especially Bodo Glimt, uh, he looked lost against a, what should have been a basic fixture for us. And I know that he, he's, he's got better since then, absolutely. But that is a, a level for me that, yeah, we, we, we should have answered. We should have someone in place and someone ready for that level. Does he get an opportunity for this group stage coming? 100%. He does. He does. I just don't know if he's Champions League level. And I think that's fair. I think guys like Starfelt and like Taylor have probably earned that opportunity. Now, we know Ange doesn't do sentiment. You know, if you're not ready, you're not ready. But I think they've potentially earned the opportunity. And we'll, we'll see how they bed in. But Ange will be aggressive in the transfer market. And if he feels there's any sort of gap, he'll be going all out to, to fill it, whether it's a left-back, goalkeeper, whatever else. I want to move quickly on to the midfield. From my point of view, I'm very confident in Callum McGregor, Rio Hotati, Tomoki, Tomoki Iwata, and probably Matt O'Reilly as well. But Moy and Turnbull would continue to be the concerns for me. Where are you on those six, James? Exact same as you. Yeah, the, the, the four are fine. O'Reilly's got a wee bit to go. Um, mm. and, and it's more in terms of 
get back to where he was. You know, if this was last year, he'd be going, definitely, that's, that's no problem. It's dipped a bit because he's disrupted his season. But yeah, Moy can definitely have some impact off the bench. Turnbull, probably the same, but you couldn't be starting them, I don't think. They would get run over the top of, just too immobile for that level of football. Paddy? I think Turnbull will leave this summer. I think um, so. But I, I, I kind of agree with, with the, the both of you on that as well. Um, I'd still, like... Uh, I've said that this is a big season for Matt O'Reilly. I've said that since since last season. And I actually think think it's been very, very stop-start from him. But his attitude towards the games lately is really, really impressing me. Really impressing me. I, I think just he really wants that jersey. He really wants to be representing this club. And he, he says it in every interview he does. And um, I think it's a big summer for a lot of players. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised that, albeit we've been very, very quick with our transfers at the beginning of each window, There'll be a few on the back burner. Let's see how this guy goes in pre-season. Let's see how the rest of the team all kind of mar up at the same level. If everyone's there, brilliant. If there's a few that are slacking, get these guys in. I wouldn't be surprised if we're looking at it that way. Yeah, there's no doubt there's just going to be ongoing change. And the good thing is, from a player point of view, you're, you can never relax. Your place is never assured at this you know, this club. And I think when you hear guys, like all of them actually, but when you hear guys like O'Reilly speaking, there's a real maturity that comes through in a lot of the players and... They accept that. They know the challenges of, of being at such a big club. And I think most of them seem to be up for the challenge. So um, that in itself is a good thing. Moving on to the wingers. So Jota, Maeda, Haxabanovic, Shabada. I think James Forrest has maybe finished at this level. That sounds really harsh to say. And, and I don't like saying it, but that's how I feel about it. Um, but the four I've mentioned, there's talk just now. We'll get on a wee bit of exit talk and a wee bit. But there's talk of Abada potentially moving on this summer. Uh, Ajax are the latest to be to be linked. So if we take him out of the equation and just look at Jota, Maeda, Haxabanovic, good enough is, is the first question, but also will they all be here? Jota might be somebody that's yeah, looking elsewhere. Come under pressure. Yeah, we will. I think so. I, I, and same bracket kind as as CCV. Um, I think the two of them will be definitely getting looked at. The only thing that might be the saving grace is that they're one year into their, their deals. And I think, you know, the value's at their highest at the moment. So that that may be the thing that helps us. And and, and obviously Champions League, a lot the, the, both of them will be like hundred percent another cracker. A, a, a guaranteed crack at the Champions yeah. League. There's there's only so many clubs can offer it. I don't know what's the number Paddy, 32. How many's in that? I don't know how many's in that thing. It's not changing this year, is I think it? it's the no, year after this year. Swiss model. Um, but the bottom line is there's only so many clubs can guarantee that and Celtic, all going well, are going to be one of them. Um, I won't spend any time today on Rocco Vata and Ben Summers, but great to see another couple of young lads coming through and great to see them getting more game time yesterday. So a debut for Ben Summers and, and well done to him on that. We've now seen a wee bit more of Vata and he seems to be very much in Angie's plans. They're exciting, forward-thinking players. So great to have that coming through and, and long may that kind of stuff continue. Up top, well, I, I'm saying Kyogo's a definite yes. He's certainly a, a, a million percent yes domestically. He's fallen a wee bit short in the European stuff. And oh, just while we're on the subject, has certainly got bags of potential but we just don't know. And I think even if the two of them were a yes, I think we still need a third striker. We're still a, a wee bit light in that area. We need a number one striker for Champions League level. I'd, I'd put all my budget in the summer, by and large, into goalie and striker. I think you need someone who's going to be able to handle it at the, the top level. Um, and I think Kyogo will perform at that level, but not in the... Not, we're not going to be saying Haaland, but something... Apparently Ronnie Dyla had him on his transfer list and Lowell said no. Yeah, three years back. Shocker. Um, but, you know, so, someone who's just in, in that company and can go and, you know... We need to catch that kind of person, obviously young, you know, in the, the, the Dyla mode of trying to get maybe like 17 or 18. Um, 
so uh, for me we need a, a a guy who's going to go and mix in the Champions League. I don't think we can be 100% confident that Kyogo's going to do that for us. So, Paddy, we're going to lose Carter Vickers, but we're getting Haaland in, so... he's playing goals. All yeah. those um, <laughs> But do you think we are a wee bit light up top, Paddy, at the moment? Definitely think we need another striker. The striker number three or striker number one? I don't know. I actually think Kyogo, I said at the beginning of last season that, yeah, after the Champions League campaign, we, we need someone that's going to bury the chances, some of the chances that he had. The chances were there. Some of the chances that Maeda had as well. We need yeah. someone that's, that's going to stick them away. Um, having said that, he's he's been exceptional this season. He's been unbelievable this season. And I get it, it's domestically. Um, but to keep yourself motivated and still go and deliver domestically. My question with my uh, Maeda and Kyogo, for that matter, is it's the bottle playing at that high level. And, you know, you look at Kyogo's age, 27 going on 28. Why is this like, and no offence to the J-League, but why is this rise in Europe only happening now? Has, has someone witnessed that, you know what, he can do it here, no problem, but he's not he's not going to stick goals away in the Champions League. He's not going to do this in Europe. I, I don't I don't know the answer to well, that. Why, yeah. didn't, why didn't Brighton sign him? Instead, yeah, you know, yeah. Who's the boy they signed? Minamoto, is it? I don't know his name. I think so. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so they signed him, and they've known about Kyogo, but they went for him, as did Ange, and it turns out the guy's absolutely dynamite. Yeah, but I suppose it, different players can hit their peak at different times as well. So True. I think Kyogo's been a success, you know, um, to varying degrees throughout his career. And I also think he's he's a better player now than when he signed for Celtic. Yeah. I think he's 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 improved. He knows how to work the system. Hopefully, Celtic continue to find him more with you know some of the, the deliveries as well. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, I think the players behind him have got better as mm -hmm. well and, and releasing them quicker. So they'll maybe create more opportunity. And yes, he, he fluffed his lines on a few occasions last season, but there's also a huge learning curve you know, within those half dozen games in the Champions League. And I think he'll be better for it. So there's, I think there's definitely a third striker that he should come in and at least to compete with Kyogo to be in that level. And who knows, you know, maybe they can... Uh, swap shots at different times and somebody gets an odd and somebody backs them up but I think there's definitely room for improvement in the, the striking area final question as we move on from, from this topic in general would you feel confident generally speaking each of you heading into next season's next season's campaign with the squad we have plus another couple of key additions so you've mentioned goalie and striker James if we got that would you be happy yeah definitely yeah where are you at Paddy I'd be happy with that but I just think a massive thing for Celtic it just depends on the draw <laughs> it really does and I know that's easy to say but control the controllables Paddy look at that group last year that's a solid group yeah. we're in so it's tough but that's that's that level yeah, that's what you've course. got to to you know, deal with if and when you get there. So the planet Celtic, just in general terms, it appears to be as good as it's ever been in recent years. And there's no doubt that Ange already has an eye on next season. So let's see what the summer brings. Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. Clue number one, I played for my country at Euro 96 and at World Cup 98. I've scored in a League Cup final win for Celtic and I signed for Celtic in September 97 before retiring from football in July 2000. The answer, of course, and I think it was yourself that got it, Paddy, was Mark Reaper. So his time at Celtic was sadly, you know, cut all too short due to injury. But your thoughts on his time in general at the club? I just remember, like, the significance of him that season. Um, obviously, stopping the 10 and and even just, like, the marker being laid down in that League Cup final. Um I remember just my, my, my brothers and my dad noticing a huge buzz about the aim. And obviously, I, I can remember a lot of the football from back then, but the importance probably wasn't at the front of my thinking. But I could see the, the, the delight 
in them and kind of thinking this this could be it. This could be it. We've got a, a team now that know how to win. Um, and Reaper was a big part of that. And I, I remember a lot of people how gutted they were when, when they did have to retire. So, yeah. yeah, good player, good player. Definitely. So just in terms of his general fact, fell signed for Bum Janssen in September 97. And as Paddy says, he was a key part of the team that stopped the 10, forming a solid partnership with Alan Stubbs at the time. Prior to Celtic, he played with West Ham and Bromby. And on the international stage, he represented Denmark at Euro 96 and France 98, where he also scored a goal in the group stages. And as mentioned, unfortunately, he had to retire early from the game, having picked up a toe injury, quite a bizarre or quite a unique injury, playing for Celtic in October 98. What does he do now, James? He runs a hotel. Oh, correct. You've been Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> do I know that? He now owns and runs a hotel. In, in, is, it, is it Arhus? Uh, it's Arhus, yeah. 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 In, in the middle of your street. <laughs> no, uh, no extra points for that, though, James. That is I not a plan with Mr. Sell. Uh, James, yourself, any further comments on Mark Reaper? Oh, I loved him. Um, he was just a classy... Classy player, big aggressive guy. I really like the, the partnership he was forming with Stubbs or had formed with Stubbs. And you're thinking, right, there's a bit of a foundation we can we can kick on for here. <laughs> um and so I for him to you know, to be out injured and then not getting back obviously was, was pretty devastating. It was a real disappointment because you thought you'd something solid to, to build on there. Um so Hope his hotel's doing very well and he's a happy man. We all wish him all the best with his ongoing hotel ambitions. Hotelier. Okay, uh, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell. So as always, the first 10 listeners to reply with the right answer to the Mystery Cell on our Twitter page won 30 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. Just head to the Twitter page at Celtic Exchange right now for details on that. So thanks too for, for this week. They go to Paddy James on Twitter who sent this one in for us this week. Paddy's a big supporter of the show and he was keen that we tested you lads' knowledge on this week's Mystery Cell. So clue number one, Alex Ferguson signed me for Aberdeen, where I then won the league in the 84-85 season. John Hewitt. Clue number two, I played in the inaugural season of the English Premier League, but my team were relegated that season. Nothing from you, Paddy. It's not John Hewitt, by the way. No, nothing yet. And clue number three, I won the Scottish Cup with Celtic in 1995. I've stated the rules last week, but just to reiterate, you lads have got until I come back from reading out this next week's section to provide your answer. 1995. Pardon? Cup in 1995. We didn't win it in 94. No, I was changed in 85. Ahead of the Motherwell visit on Saturday at Celtic Park. As always, we'll be putting our match preview podcast out on Friday afternoon before then returning shortly after the final whistle with our full match reaction show. Separate from our match day content, we also have a range of additional episodes, including interviews with ex players, coaches, journalists, and Celtic authors to keep you entertained and up to speed on all things Celtic. If you haven't already subscribed, you can do so now at the CelticExchange.com/slash sign up, where it takes less than two minutes to get set up and to enjoy everything we have to offer our subscribers. Our all-in option comes in at just over £1 a week, so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit the CelticExchange.com slash sign up now. What are you going for, Paddy? Nah. Nah, it's not? Nah. nah. Struggled. Wait, I guess it, Derek White was too late. Yeah. Uh, Joe Miller's too late. So Paddy James on Twitter will be delighted. He wasn't sure if it was too easy. I thought it was a, a decent level here. 
Um, I'll tell you lads after the show, but it's a it's a good one. It's a thinker. Mm-hmm. So thanks, well, Barry. Well Cheers, done, Barry. Barry, for that. Thanks for that, mate. Uh, so the score <laughs> the score was eight six to your lads. It's now eight seven. So Paddy's also helped me claw that one back. Remember, if you think you know the answer to this week's mystery sale and want to win thirty days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pin tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag mystery sale. Okay, let's now move on to the listener's question, which this week comes from Brian Maguire. Hey guys, loving the podcast. A really entertaining take on what's been a fantastic season so far. So my question for this week, I'll call it the Kenny Rogers player dilemma. You've got to know when to hold them and you've got to know when to fold them. With Jeremy Frimpong reportedly moving to Man United for a 35 to £50 million fee, do you think we were right to fold him, sell him on for what looks like an astonishing deal for Celtic? Or should we have held him to develop him and enjoy his skills just a little bit longer? Much as I loved seeing him play, it looks like we got this one absolutely right. So great question there from Brian and thanks to him for sending that one in. As he says, rumours are circulating just now that Jeremy Frimpong may sign for Man United this summer for anything between 35 and £50 million. He of course left Celtic for Bayer Leverkusen for a deal worth up to £11.5 million in January 2021, having cost us just three hundred grand from Man City in September 2019. As you heard Brian say, James, it's the Kenny Rogers player dilemma. Do you think we let Frimpong go too early or too cheap? Hey. No, I think it was a good deal. No, I'd be Brian on that one. Um, it's very, very 2020 hindsight. Oh, this guy's worth 50 million. Would he have developed into 50 million in the SPFL? Maybe, maybe not. He's been challenging himself against Bayern Munich and Dortmund and Haaland and the likes like that, you know. So that's made him a, a better player himself. You, you know, credit to the the team that put the deal together. They put what sounds like a 30% sell-on clause in there as well. So they're maybe thinking... 11.5 maybe, you know, slightly shyer of evaluation. So if it's that, then we're wanting our 30% sell on there, which is you know nearly 10 million to us after yeah. profit, you know, if, if he goes to Man U for 50. So I think they've done really well in the in the deal and the structure of the deal. And also, who's to know? Like, he'd have been running, if we hadn't sold him, he'd have been running into what was not the 10. And who knows what that does to a player and, and all these things, you know? So um, I, I think it was the right time. I think I think we sold him during that season that yeah, we won't speak of, didn't we? We'd a transfer window. He saw the right on the wall, didn't he? Yeah, Frim, yeah. Frim was a smart young man. So off to buy, to buy. I'm out here. Yeah. <laughs> What's your thoughts on him in general, Paddy? Obviously, a, a very talented player. Could you see him going to the EPL for that kind of money? Um, yeah, I could. I could. I think um, I was I was actually disappointed to lose him. Um, but yeah, you might even be right in stuff saying like they're all the way to Dubai and I'm getting out of here. It, I, I think looking at the level of professionalism throughout the team, um, I think there was a guy that really set his standards high. Um, there was a lot of riffraff after he left that Lennon was saying that he, he instigated the move and then Frimpong coming back and saying, actually, I, he, he, he would have he would have stayed. He would have stayed that bit longer as well. Um, I was a bit gutted, actually, when we played Leverkusen. Um, and he, at the end of the game, he turned around to applaud the Celtic fans and he just kept met with dog's abuse. Ah, that's poor. I thought it was a bit, it was a bit poor. It was, uh, a, it was a long day's drinking, but no excuse for that. Exactly. Um, I apologised to him after, but, <laughs> um, but no, I'm a massive fan of Frimpong. It's great to see how how much he's developed. Um, although I watched him in the Europa League last week and there's still that rawness to him. Um, he just shows you how young he is. I think great business for Celtic if, we're, if we end up getting... Uh, that that sell on fee, um, bringing in more money on top of what we've we've gained for them already, it's good shrewd business, and especially 
considering the overhaul that was on its way as well. And like you say, mentally it could have done him. We could, we could have lost him to another a, a, a mid-table EPL team uh, for, for buttons, to be honest. So... No, we do, we've done well there, I think, yeah. with that one. He's still just 22 years of age, but he's picked up good experience. Obviously, his grounding was at Man City. Then, he, you know, a year and a half or so here at Celtic. And then he's got a, a real top, you know, set up there over in Germany. Leverkusen, though, they already seem to be planning ahead. They've signed a guy called Arthur from Brazil for around about 7 million euros, a wing-back, in anticipation of, of this move. James, I'll come to you on this one. As always, the sell-on clause is something that Celtic seem to, you know, incorporate within their deals and they're likely, you know, have something in place. I think it's always a bit of a mystery. Depends, you know, who you read and, and what you see and stuff like that. Um, the, the general thinking is it's usually somewhere around about ten percent. But yeah, have you heard suggestions it could be up to as high as thirty? Yeah, and there's been no no dissenting voices on that. So I worked it out basically. If he goes for fifty, take off the, the cost. It's eleven point eight million to Celtic. That would be frightening. Could, so build, you, could build yourself an Everton house for one of them. You, <laughs> if you want to throw away eleven million dollars, um, I mean, whatever we get, you know, eleven eleven and a half million. For what we got initially is decent business. If we get anything, you know, close to that, you know, in terms of selling stuff, it's got to be good business for somebody you, you buy for three hundred k. Absolutely, um, that's what the the model is is built on at Celtic at the moment, um, and you know, it's probably just the sentimental side, which I think as a, a Celtic fan, I'm, I'm still trying to get get rid of. I th I'm trying not to grow attached to any of the players, <laughs> just because it's, it's, uh, it's all changed. I, I just think it's. Uh, it's just at this, this point now we, we are operating as a business but what we're bringing in is is meeting what we need and more so long may that continue of course um, at a point where we didn't have a clue what was going on that is good business just remember Paddy there's assets not players Aye, absolutely That's <laughs> what you do have now word of whatever you want you've got a team full of high value players slash assets and credit to the you know scouting recruitment and everyone involved there because Celtic have got a real valuable squad of players at this moment in time and so, Cass and he's there <laughs> and <laughs> Yeti, don't forget Big Yeti. double A um, but in short lads just you know to round off Brian's question did we get it right selling Jeremy Frimpong when we did yes 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 so it seems good business by the club and we continue to do great business but credit to whoever was involved there and we might just get a few more quid for Frimpong moving forward it's a really good question and thanks again to Brian for his ongoing support of the show if you want to submit your question to us for discussion on any future shows then you can do so in one of three ways number one leave a voicemail directly on our website via the microphone icon on the bottom right of any page number two you can send us a message directly on social media at our Twitter Instagram or Facebook page and thirdly you can email me directly on team at thecelticexchange.com Time for this week in Celtic Media Each week we dig out something of interest from the week past in the world of Celtic Media that we think you, the listeners, will enjoy James, you've got something for us today Yeah, it was one that came from our friend Paul actually um, So it was Andrew. It must have been around October time, I think He was out in Maybe it was before all the uh, the odd stuff in the break. Uh, Howie Sports, Australian kind of thing. And the way Paul put it was, when Ange goes to Australia, he can't wait to tell everyone about Celtic and what it's like. And, you know, it's just you know, a, a life-changing event for him as uh, as much as, you know, that's how much he's enjoying it. Um, the way he was putting it to the, the interview was just, he said, you think you know what it'll be like? It's not. He said, it's, it's not like any other club in football. Said it's it means so much to to the, the, the fans in terms of the whole week, um, and he feels the responsibility of like all of our hopes and dreams on his shoulders. Um, 
He said it reminds him of South Melbourne Hellas in terms of his, when his dad, his family came over from Greece. It wasn't just a football club, it was a place to belong and, you know, to, to share experiences and things like that. Um, very humbled by the Celtic support, spoke about Amazon drivers coming to his door and going, Jesus, and you know, big Ange. <laughs> um, the St Mirren loss weighed heavily on him as he knew how much we'd be feeling it. Yeah. And it was going in an international break, so he didn't have a chance to fix it. Um Fix it two weeks later, and we haven't lost since. And he just lost talking to people about Celtic in Australia. And just on that, so Paul that shared about this, he says that whenever Ange speaks to journalists back in Australia about Celtic, it's like he's just discovered oil in a foreign land or something, and just can't wait <laughs> to share it and tell folk all about this amazing thing that is Celtic Football Club. Paddy, he's pride in being Celtic manager is clear to see, isn't it? Uh, it really is, and I think uh, he, he does touch on about what he does it for. And don't get me wrong, I think there'll be a lot of. Uh, a lot of points where he'll, he'll be saying this is this is what it's all about. This is what football management's all about. He'll, he'll be ticking off a lot of life goals and a lot of moments he'll be super proud of of himself. Um, but first and foremost, I think it comes to what he does for the supporters. Um, every time we we've won a trophy under him, or every time we've, we've won a, a really really difficult game, um, he, he refers back to the fans first and foremost. Um, and I just think that he's. He's just set a massive, massive like level for any other manager coming into this this team. What it is to manage this club, um, what it's all about, and I think um, you know, Miff said it on this show that he's he's been his favourite manager, and I've agreed with that. And I, my my thing looking forward now is just that I, I just what I would love under this guy is this European run. I think we all would as as uh, as fans, of course, but. I just think someone so deserving of something like that is Ange Postecoglou. Uh, considering what he was met with when he first arrived, um, but just to go and prove doubters wrong. I think he's done that already, but just go and rub their face in it even more. We're lifting a, a Europa League, a Conference League. I think that would be incredible. Yeah, he's done it already, but I think there is still more to come and hopefully we'll see that going into next season. There's a quote, James, I don't know if it's from this piece or a, a similar piece that I've seen on YouTube, and I think Ange says something along the, the lines of, this is the kind of club I've been waiting for my whole football in life and Postacoglu is a football obsessive and Celtic just ticks that box from into the bargain you know Celtic's immigrant background his own personal you know immigrant story but he is just the perfect fit and then some um, I mean separate to that as well James what's interesting about pieces like like this uh, video he also just seems far more relaxed about it, you know, when he's speaking to the Australian media. He, as I say, he's got a huge sense of pride, but he lets his guard down to some extent when he's speaking to the media back home. And it's, it's interesting to see him in that that vein. Yeah, he's not waiting for the gotcha. You know, that's, that's all you get in Scottish media. And it's, you know, you only have to listen to a, an Ange press conference and the calibre uh, of question from Scottish media, paid Scottish media, compared to fan media and I, not even including ourselves in that a lot of the guys out there are just they've really done their do their research and they think about their questions the the way that Ange answers the fan media versus Scottish media is night and day first and foremost the questions are better but they're also not like, trying to strip them up and it's the same in Australia so it's it's great to see him in those environments where he's just very very relaxed he's the kind of guy you saw it a wee bit when it was him and striking after a League Cup semi maybe something like that yeah yeah and it was just two guys shooting the breeze about football and you could 
Honestly, you could put that in tail on a Friday night for three hours. I'd watch the whole lot of it. Yeah, I know you, you know. mean. I remember that. It was brilliant. Great to see. So I think the piece is called The Howie Games. I think Mark Howard's a journalist. So The Howie Games, Ange Postacoglu's favourite thing about Celtic. Five minutes or so on YouTube. And as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for this episode. James, 12 points clear. A 17-game winning streak. 30 wins out of 32 league games. 102 goals in the league and counting. Your final comments for the week, please. Just go and set some... Records the weekend one five nil and that's the hundred and seven goals and then you're you're well on course so we'll find out then where the, where the post split fixtures lie but it's all looking good. Yeah, Parry, a big game coming up at the end of the month of course but before that it's Motherwell at Celtic Park on Saturday. Your thoughts on what lies ahead and your own final comments for the week? Yeah, I think obviously that is the focus is is the game coming up at the weekend. I I, I know the the players will have this game at the end of the month in their heads but their manager won't allow them to have that at the forefront I think uh, you know we just continue we get this league wrapped up we then start looking at the rest of the team getting them a bit of game time as well um, but I just think a, a very very successful season regardless of, of, of how the rest of it plays out I just uh, the football we've, we've watched this year I can't remember it being so consistent I can't remember is like the amount of times we've done that to teams that we would done to Kilmarnock yesterday and, and wrap the game up in 30 minutes, not even 45 minutes, 30 minutes. We've done it numerous occasions and it's exciting that he wants to get us even more stronger. Can't wait. Yeah, brilliant to see. So that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Paddy for joining me today and as always, our thanks to you for listening. Remember to send your mystery Celt answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win a free month of the Celtic Exchange Plus. And beyond that, don't forget to visit theceltichange.com slash sign up where you can start your free seven-day trial and enjoy all the additional podcasts we'll be featuring there this week. But in the meantime, for myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.